this is one of the sermons that um, I don't have slides. It's awesome. We're going to go old school, and so I want to encourage you to, uh, to write some things down, or uh, if you have your cell phone, you can do that. Um, so this is going to be my 36th year in youth ministry. So either I'm called to this or I got a problem, maybe a little bit of both. I still like junior high kids. I think they're funny. Okay. Um, on Wednesday night, I'm a small group leader at my church, and we were playing this game. What did we say? said it was called? Spike ball or something like that. What is it? Kill ball. Personally, I love that title. Okay. So we were playing kill ball, and there was this seventh grade sweet little girl, and how it's played is we you know, kind of hit the ball up in the air, right? And the third person has to hit the ball and try to hit a student. And here's Dr. Frey's, I mean, cute, bless her heart, sixth grade girl, just smacked her in the face with the ball. I, I still like that kind of stuff. I think it's fun and it builds character. But a lot of things have changed since my youth ministry journey began. So, Teenagers, i got to tell you this. First of all, if you saw a girl's ankle at camp, you would go to hell. So we wore pants to camp. I don't even know why we wear shorts. I'm kind of concerned about the state of the church. But we could not wear shorts. Do you all remember that? And our youth ministers, in weather like this, okay, we're, we're, we shouldn't have a fire. But the last night at camp, they would build a fire. Do you all remember this? And we would... Hold hands around the fire, and our youth minister would start to sing, It only takes a spark. Do you remember that? To get a fire. Now, you saw him put gasoline on it, but in theory, it's just a spark. And we'd be sweating, and it was awesome. And we got to that last part. I'll shout it from the mountaintops. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen, too, because we didn't praise God a lot back then. Some of y'all are hand raisers. That's a whole different story. I saw you. But we wouldn't yell praise God. And so our youth minister would say, we want the world to know. Let's do it one more time. I'll shout it from the mountaintops. Oh, yeah. And then I was blessed to start my youth ministry where fires made sense. Callista Wallers and I worked at Greenlawn, and we went to the mountains for camp, so the last night... You're supposed to have a fire. And up in the mountains, when I would get to that part, I'll shout it from the mountaintop. Had to wait for the echo. I want my world to know. Then we would do something. I mean, this is crazy, off-the-wall things. We would take a ball of yarn. Does anybody remember this? Oh, yeah, this is great. Some of y'all are going to have post-traumatic stress. I would take a piece of that yarn. I'd throw it to you. What's your name? Huh? Benjamin. There we go, Ben. Very nice, powerful name. I'd throw it to Ben, and I'd say, Ben, I see Jesus in you. You've been great this week. It's so awesome. So what's your name? Mia. So I'd ask you to hold on to your part of the yarn. Does anybody remember this? Then you'd throw it to Mia, and it's like, uh, Mia, I know I've only known you for two days, but I see Jesus in you, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get married one day. Was that awkward? I just had to say that. I just wanted I'm a visiting preacher. So, um, and then Mia would throw it to Scott. Scott, you're my very best friend. And then we'd, we'd have this web. And it was awesome. And then I would go, Ben, let go of your side of the yarn. And the web would drop just ever so slightly. And our youth minister would say, Ben, we need you. Don't let go of us. Don't let go. Because she ain't going to date you, so just don't let go. 
right? I'm not going to get you married. That's weird. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that? Please tell me this is online. So anyway, we would have those awkward moments. And let me tell you something crazy. I am part of a Facebook group. I came to faith 41 years ago. And we still talk about those moments. And we have this weird thing, even though there's not time and space in heaven, somebody, when they go through trials, will put N-E, 2 o'clock. Because we said to each other at these moments, if we're never together this side of heaven, we'll meet at the northeast corner at 2 o'clock. And I'm 55, I'm a grandparent, I see the glory day coming, right? And it's so awesome to think about those relationships that were formed in church so many years ago. Your preacher and my wife were in the same youth group at the hills. And then Lisa and I went back and we worked at the hills. And the relationships that we have in the church, if you're visiting and you don't really know what all this stuff's about, we don't get together for worship to appease an angry God. We need each other, right church? That's awesome. But a lot has changed. Do you realize that your projectors don't have bulbs, but these are lasers? I, I want to get a ladder and go up there and see if I can burn my hand. I mean, as soon as I heard laser, I'm like, these are sharp. Do you realize what a weird elders meeting it would have been? When, and hopefully you didn't have one of these, if way back in the day, we need projectors. We're going to put the songbooks away. Do you remember those days? We called them, and Calisto will remember this, off-the-wall songs. We would have songs at camp, and we didn't have those supplemental songbooks yet, and we certainly didn't have laser projectors, so we'd take an overhead projector, and we would put those overheads on there, and we only had one wall, and so we put it on a wall, and they had to turn down some of the lights in the auditorium. You would think that the devil showed up. Emergency elders meeting. And it wasn't my fault, because there was a guy named Phil who decided a few off-the-wall songs would be great, a few more would be even better. And he didn't use black and white words. He used a colored transparency. I know, emergency elders meeting. Then we started serving coffee. That's something. Thank, thank you, Lord, for black coffee. We have scones and donuts in the back. That's incredible. In youth ministry, we have more books. We have better training. We have people understanding social sciences and theology, and we're training our people as best as we can. We want to put them in churches so that we can disciple the next generation. And some of these students will give their life to Jesus. And the thing that keeps me going is this. Half of our students, when they leave our youth ministries, will walk away from faith. They don't go through another denomination. They literally walk away. And that's enough to keep me going. Because somewhere in there, we need our students to have a vibrant, real faith. So one of the things that we used to do, and you can't do it this way, but you start thinking that, all right, well, a kid doesn't know how to hit a baseball, so we have a batting coach. We, we don't know how to do math, so we take him to a tutor. You cannot outsource spiritual development. 
You can't say it's your job, Scott. It's your job, Justin. It's your job, Rachel. You take care of it. It's called dry, clean parenting. You can't just drop your kids off at the church, shake them out, run them through the program, and then you get in your car, you're like, do you have Jesus? Good, fine. You better not complain or Jesus will cry. I mean, it's weird whether we wanted to admit it or not. We understand that some of the things we've done for years is broken and we got to re-examine it. But more often, when you look at what's working today, it's old new school. Some of the things that I'm about to mention will not be like, oh my word, we brought this guy in, he's changed my life. It'll remind you of some core things. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 9. And I love the way that the message has it. I usually don't use the message But Eugene Peterson captures the actual intent of this verse. Back in 2007, I spent an entire summer at Fuller Seminary doing a research fellowship. And I just looked at this verse. And I remember a friend of mine called and he goes, Dave, we're losing half of our kids. I'm like, I know. I just I wanted to go back to the beginning and figure out, okay, there's something about the Shema. There's something that we're missing because I want our students to grab the faith that impacted me. And I know you want the same thing. Here's what Deuteronomy 6 says. Attention, Israel. God, our God. God, the one and only. Love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today in your hearts. Now listen to this. Get them inside of you. And then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorpost of your homes and on your city gates. You're like, phrase, I got it covered. I went to Hobby Lobby, my whole house is like a Hobby Lobby land. We got Bible verses. That's the way the people of Israel did it as well. That they had scriptures on all their their door frames. And actually the Pharisees would have phylacteries where they would actually wear scripture. But that's not the nature of what Deuteronomy 6 is talking about. What Deuteronomy 6 says, if you boil it all down, is this. As adults, we are to live such committed lives that everyone else behind us following knows no we're not perfect but God is real and our faith is authentic and we can face anything with that faith see what it says in Deuteronomy 6 is parents in the surrounding community of adults are expected not asked but they're expected to model what it means to be fully devoted followers of God. You're like, yeah, that's right, Dr. Fraze, it's it's mom and dad. Deuteronomy 6 was not written to parents. Do you realize that we're included in that? But never is the word parent in there. This is a message to the community of believers that it's our job to raise these students It is our job to live such lives that everyone in here, when we are seen not only at church, but at Walmart, McDonald's, or whatever restaurant, that our life looks the same. Right? That's the admonition. I'm a pretty good teacher. 
But I can't out-teach what happens in your home and surrounding adult community. I'm not that good. And neither is Scott, neither is Rachel, neither is Justin. So spiritual formation is a very serious game of pitching and catching. I ran it. Where's my baseball guys? Where are you? Anybody a pitcher? That's just the craziest thing in the world. I, I've been around baseball a lot. I'm a football guy. I don't like little balls coming at me, but it's amazing that if you're standing in a box, it's just a little bit of the wrist, right? And the whole trajectory changes. What we have to concentrate on doing is take our faith and be sure that it is laser focused, that we put it in a position for our students to catch and not to make it difficult. There are things that are basic. I don't know if you've noticed we're in an election here. Yeah, might as well laugh. It's kind, of, it's kind of weird what goes on. But there's a truth that it's at the bottom of everything, and it's Jesus Christ and him crucified, that he offers us transformation. And the hope of the world is Jesus. It's not a party. It's not a position. The kingdom of God is going to be just fine no matter what's in the White House, and our students need to know that. That's the kind of laser focus our kids need. So instead of talking about all the bad things and why do kids leave the church, if I get another email about that, like, well, why are kids leaving the church? And I said, we know why. So we looked on the other side at Fuller and thought, okay, what about the kids who make it? What about the 50%? What do they have? This is when you're going to start writing things down. Number one sticky factor, and we're going to break these out more in our session after the wonderful baptism. Sticky factor number one, prepare to be underwhelmed. Relationships with parents, youth leaders, and church members. Ta-da! That our students that have relationships with their parents and youth leaders and surrounding adults, they do better. Smith and Denton, who are now part of, of uh, Notre Dame, have been studying young people for a long time. And this won't shock you at all. The number one influencer of a kid's spiritual life is their mom and dad. For good or bad, very close second, very close second church is the surrounding adults. The surrounding adults, the adults that you allow to be in your kid's life. And a distant third are people like your ministry staff and myself. Distant third. If you look at kids, uh, the research and what influences your spiritual life, parents, you'd love to say, well, this youth group's so unfriendly. It's awful. You're still the number one influencer. Well, I can't believe all this peer pressure today and all this kind of stuff going on. You're still the number one influencer, and the adults you let to be in your kid's life are still the number one influencer. You know this is true. I want you to think just for a moment, okay? How many sermons or lessons do you really remember? Sorry, Scott, I'm just, just realized that. You're, you're in the auditorium. Other than Scott's. Now, I want you to do this. How many adults do you remember that impacted your spiritual life? Boom. You can all think of the adults. Maybe it's your mom and dad. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it's, you know, somebody. There's a reason you're in this room. Someone shared Jesus with you. Someone modeled it for you. That's why we're here. And I'm not saying get rid of the ministry staff and all the lessons don't matter. They do matter because they put us in a situation to hear I get that. 
But people are still the number one thing that influences someone's spiritual life, right? So if you have the greatest preacher and you have donuts and scones in the back, like I said, you have a coffee station, but you're just rude people. Excuse me, sir, you're sitting in my seat. That wasn't your scone. It's my scone. That's going to be difficult, isn't it? So people, number one thing, the relationship with parents, youth leaders, and church members. Second is a healthy view of the gospel. This blew me away in a program called Sticky Faith where we tried to look for sticky things in that 50%. When we were asking students, what is the gospel? The number one, think about this, the number one response didn't even include Jesus. But it was this idea that God will love me more if I keep the rules just a little bit better. Guys, is there anyone perfect in this room? Aren't we glad that we're not judged by our own failings, but God in his beloved son Jesus took everything for us? Isn't that good news? You can say amen now. So I wrote this down. Friends, if my understanding of the gospel and its validity to save me is based on my own goodness, ability to wear a seatbelt, vote conservative, watch my language, stay away from cats, and dress appropriately for church, I'm in trouble. At some point, students raised with this behavior-based gospel come in contact with the ugliness of the world. I see it every semester. Or experience personal moral failure. And when this happens, a behavior-based gospel leaves a student feeling lost, hopeless, and alone to deal with their sins. I see it every semester. Kids that are raised in churches like ours and they come to, to, to college and we're in a Bible class and they're like, I, I don't know if the gospel's real. And I'm like, why? And I'm like, because I made a mistake. And I'm like, welcome to humanity. And they're like, but I don't think God loves me anymore. It's not about your perfection. Well, sometimes I go to worship and I, I just don't feel the tinglys. You know, it doesn't make me feel good to go to worship. Can we just for a second, how many of you, and all some of you have been walking with the Lord a long time like me, you go to church and you have a heaviness about you and you want to sing, but the songs are hard to sing. And you don't feel, but you're here. And sometimes you're so broken you don't even want to sing. And you leave still feeling heavy after being in the assembly. Has anybody ever been there other than me? Raise your hand. Students look around. That's reality. And because I struggle, and because perhaps something's going on in my family that weighs me down, it does not devalue the power of the gospel in our lives. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy, right? And that's what the gospel gives us. So David, are you saying... We should let our children not wear seatbelts, vote liberal, use bad language, own cats, and wear shorts to church. No. John 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How many times did I read that growing up? If you keep my commandments, I'll think about loving. It's amazing when you look in John 15. And the surrounding, I call them the last words, first things of Jesus. He's about to die, and he doesn't give this exposition of all the things you need to do in order to be pleasing to God. 
he actually says, and this is my command, this is my command. He goes, this is my command to, to obey. And you look at what the command is. He says, you've got to love one another. God really does. He doesn't only love you, but he actually likes you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. So our students need to know that any behavior-based change is a response to grace. Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I love this. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in the sufferings. Number one thing I'm ever asked in university settings when somebody, when I ask, why do students fall away? Well, why do good things happen to bad people? If you read the Old Testament, you know we're broken. Just because you showed up to church, it doesn't mean something is not, is just going to work out perfectly. Philippians 4 actually says, I can do all things through Christ, means you can survive it. Because Paul said, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I can do all things through Christ. Look what Paul says, even about suffering. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. God never wastes our pain. Amen, church? You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were regular church attenders, Christ died for us. While we were still non-cussers, Christ died for us. While we were still teachers, Christ died for us. While we were still... What's that word, church? Sinners. He actually goes on to say, while we were enemies, while we were enemies of God, he showed us his love. It's always been about God's move towards us. Amen? That's the sticky factor number two. Our kids need to have that gospel because they will fail. They will struggle. They will feel disjointed in church. But God remains the same in the good times and the bad. Correct? That's the gospel. Another sticky factor. The third one we found is participation in service and justice work. I talked to somebody the other day that was trying to tell his new church that kids really are busy. And I'm like, tell them they're busy. But kids are kind of used for busy work. Guess what? That doesn't work. Because if we're asking students to do something for service and justice, somebody moves to town, hey, go take care of them, do this. Let the kids do it. What's the problem with that? Because we're not looking around seeing the adults helping as well. It becomes busy work. And another thing that you could just check off and you put on your resume when you want to go to college, it has to be meaningful work. And students that work with adults and work together there's a wonderful serendipity that happens they feel more included in the actual mission of the church and mentoring begins to happen right so when i first started at the hills 
There's two big events now that weren't as big as they are. Um, one was a ladies' retreat, and they had it at the building. And this lady called me. It's an elder's wife, so she's married to an elder. And she said, uh, hey, Dave, uh, the youth group always sets up tables and chairs, and it's time for you to do that. And I'm like, and wanting to have meaningful service and justice work, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to do that. You could have heard the pause. It's like, what do you mean? I said, let's try something different. I'll go talk to the men's ministry. And I'll ask if they want to lead this, and I'll have them come into our room, and they will announce, hey, we're helping with the ladies' conference. Can some of y'all come and help us? And they did. And so when we had our men's conference, guess what happened? The ladies' ministry came in and said, well, some of y'all like to help us. Now it's a couple of the biggest... uh, gatherings that the hill does and it's intergenerational big fancy word for young and old working together so if the men are doing their thing the ladies of all ages are working together to serve and if the ladies are doing their thing all the men are are there to serve and it's a beautiful deal and the kids don't feel like it's busy work they feel included in something bigger now here's another one sticky factor four this is difficult for us freedom to express and explore doubt. So many of our students are bubble wrapped and they're afraid to ask questions because they are afraid that they'll get the cold shoulder. I I don't sense this here. But there's a lot of things that our kids need to ask questions about. There's all kinds of things And I don't mean to make you uncomfortable, but one of the greatest things they're asking is, what do I do with my LGBTQ friends? You know, I would love to go back to the days where we're like, can we just talk about evolution and creation? You know, a little bit easier. We're pretty good at that. Our students understand that you take two scientists, and, and science doesn't prove or disprove God. It can help your faith, but it's still a matter of faith. I mean, our students are brilliant. It's a great generation, but how do I live? And that's just one of the questions that they have. And if students aren't allowed to ask us in God's house, among God's people, what do we think about this? Can we talk about this? Can I guess what they're going to do? They're going to pick up their phone and say, hey, Siri. And how's that working out for us? Or maybe you can get a chat GPT, you know, to kind of write a response for you. Guys, we got to be able to express and explore doubt. Students who feel like they can express and explore doubt with the adults around them do better. My mother, she's been with the Lord now for a couple of years, and she, she taught me. I'm not second or third generation Christian. I, I'm first full generation. My mom and dad came to the church through a vacation Bible school. It's a cool story. But my mom would always say, she raised me to love the Word of God, and she said, if you just when we're studying, if you don't understand something, I'll sit down and study it with you. Isn't that great? That, that our students need to know that there is a faith that no matter what the question is, we're going to engage that faith to try to figure out how we as people of faith progress in a world like today. This is a complicated world for them. We can't let the internet take care of it. We can't let Scott and Justin and Rachel be the only opinion givers. we got to have a community where our students can freely express and explore doubt. Another thing, the last fifth sticky thing we found is real 
relationships with friends. Now that's funny because, and I, I see the real relationships here, but if our students see that we actually have relationship with one another, it helps them understand that this is an authentic place. You know, if you just kind of come in and you sit in the back and you're like, okay, we're done. I'm going to grab that scone he talked about. I think I see it. And then I'm going to take off. You're missing something. And your students are thinking what church is, is just an event. And then we go about the rest of our life. We need to stop the Christian F word. Do you know what the Christian F word is? Fine. Because we saw you got out of your car. We know you're arguing with your spouse. It's funny, and we're over there at the coffee. How are you doing? Fine. No, you're not. We need to be able to say, I'm struggling. I need you to pray with me. My kids are driving me nuts. That happened the other day. There's a young man that I'm trying to help. He's desperately in love with a girl and just causing all kinds of troubles. And I'm like, uh, you know, this ain't going to work out, right? And he's like, I think there's a chance. I said, do you ever watch the movie Dumb and Dumber? Because you sound like that guy <clears throat> saying there's a chance. And he goes, man, I know, coach. And I said, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to go very well. And I reserve the right to laugh at you, Okay. But then I tell him, I love you, I'm here, you need to talk to me, you be nice to your mom and dad. Do you know what a gift that is? I've received that gift for my own kids, and now I get to give it back in the community of faith to somebody else. How many of y'all were ever spanked, I use that word, um, by someone other than your mom at church? Where are you? <laughs> Thank you, I'm going to... Yes. I think in my church growing up, it was a hobby, right? It's like, <clears throat> all of you, right over here. And I don't know what the problem was, because we had our missionary came in, and somebody took my shoe and threw it at the screen, because we were watching those slides, remember? Well, my dad was in the army, so I knew how to crawl like an army guy, so I crawled up on stage, got my shoe. When the lights came on, we were all against the wall. They were all yelling at us, and no one said, you can't talk to my kid this way. They're like, you get them first, and then I'm going to come and get them. <clears throat> That's a front porch community, right? That's Deuteronomy 6, where a community surrounds themselves in real relationships and not just coming to church and leaving, but you're actually here, and you slow up your role enough to say, how are you doing? And we stop using the Christian F word. Because life is tough, correct? So when you look at all these things, they're, they're not earth-shattering, and we're going to delve into that more when we're together in our sessions. But we need relationships with parents, youth leaders, and church members. We need a healthy view of the gospel. We need to participate in service and justice work. We need to let students express and explore doubt. And we need to have real relationships with our friends. So... I want everyone to stand with me, if you would. We're all going to respond today, so you don't even have to walk forward. It's going to be awesome. <clears throat> I first want you to think, how's your pitching? And this, is, this can be kind of painful. You know, again, 
being a grandparent now and watching my son raise his kids and my daughter's a sophomore and one of my students actually, and I see something in their life as a parent, and this is, students just know this, sometimes we carry that because we're like, they learned that from me, right adults? And you feel that burden. So I want you to know that there's grace. Some of you may have kids that aren't coming to church anymore. And it's never over. And as we'll talk about, you may not be the voice. It may be someone else here that's part of a community that can pitch the faith to your child or grandchild. But we got to see how serious this is. So when you think about your pitching, before you complain about the preaching, before you complain about children or youth ministry or the guest preacher, Matthew 18, and there's not too many Vacation Bible School songs for this verse. There's none. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Seems like Jesus is pretty interested in Deuteronomy 6 and the way that we pitch the faith to the next generation. It's all of our jobs. So I'm going to ask all of us that pitch faith, young and old, that we take serious our example and our following of Jesus because somebody's watching you. Now for the rest of us, and maybe you're watching online and you're like, that's right, Dave, let them have it. They're hypocrites. Well, again, welcome to humanity. The bride of Christ is a broken, beautiful mess. But it's what we have. How's your catching? 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we're going to try to do our best. And if you're visiting, this is a pretty incredible church. It's really incredible, actually. And I think you hear very clearly, like today, when you heard during communion, there's going to be a message. It's like, Jesus loves you. This is what you need. And two people are going to surrender their life to Jesus in baptism. Here in just a moment, it's going to be awesome to watch. But we all have a responsibility. You've heard the gospel today. Are you catching it? Young people, we're not perfect. This church tries really hard. Catch it. Because I don't know of anything better. Right, church? That's why we're here. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the years of ministry that uh, this church has had to its young people. Thank you that it's doubling down and actually just, again, reminding every member that our job is to work together as Deuteronomy 6 says, to impress the Lord upon this generation of children. Father, it's a complicated world. Father, would you help us in our relationships? Would you help us give an incredibly simple gospel of transformation? God, would you allow us to work together and invite students into the work of the church? Would you help us to be there for them so they can know that they can express and explore doubt and let them be involved in the real relationships that change all of our lives. We love you and we thank you. And the church said, amen.